Let me begin with a question today. Do you consider yourself to be an observant person? Here's a test. If I were to ask you what color were the sandals of that little girl that we just dedicated? Okay, let me give you a harder one than that, all right? So uh, Teresa and I, uh, from the time that we bought our house to today has been approximately four and a half years that every Sunday morning we travel the same route to get to church. I will add to that that at least five other days of the week, uh, I travel that, trying to get to church myself. And so the question for me that I want to share with you is from the time you leave your house to the time you get to church, how many billboards do you pass up? <laughs> That's a great answer. Somebody said all of them. <laughs> but I want you to think about that on, a, on your, one of your most traveled drives. How many billboards do you see? And let's really check you out because most of us don't know how many. So let me make it easier. If, if you just knew there was one, what is it advertising today? So I, I think that we, we can be observant, but sometimes we're not very observant. But I want to use that today as kind of a launch pad into what I, I think is a great little truth out of a single verse that we find in the book of Acts. So if, if we're talking about Christ, uh, you know, billboard Christianity. That's the order I want you to take those two words that are there. So if we're talking about billboard Christianity, essentially what we're talking about is our lives as Christian people should be advertisements for the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. Let me say that a different way that I think is a little more uh, accurate. Our lives as Christian billboards are in fact advertisements as to the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now, that doesn't mean that yours is necessarily a good advertisement or a bad advertisement, but if you call on the name of Jesus Christ and you live as a visible Christian in front of other people, whatever they see in you tells them something about the power of Jesus Christ in your life. So as we come to this passage, Acts chapter 6, this is going to be a very short sermon. I'll slow down there because some of you have to interpret that to go, hey, what is exactly does he mean by short sermon, All right? It's 11 minutes till noon, okay? And I intend to have you out of here before 2 o'clock. <laughs> Eastern time or close to that. So I want you to be thinking about what does my life say about the power of Jesus Christ? Acts chapter 6, verse 8, we read this. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. There are two great truths that bubble out of that for us. 
Again, the, the, the whole point of the message today is that we are uh, to live so as to capture the imaginations and the attention of people for the good of the gospel. That's how we're called to live our lives. So we find this guy, Stephen, and I'll talk more about him in just a moment, but what I want to emphasize first is the back end of that verse that we just read. The last three verses, I'll read it again. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. The word among is a preposition. I looked it up in Greek just to help you, help you, okay? In case, in case it's not quite sure what that means, among the people. I looked it up in Greek. You know what it means in Greek? Among. It's not, it doesn't require a whole lot of unpacking. What we find, and, and this is a big, a big truth that we can easily read right past, but, but what we find is this guy Stephen now is out there living his life for the cause of Jesus among the people. Here's why I think that's such a big deal. First big point is to get out of here, all right? And I'm, that's not a statement or a directive for you to get out of here. It's, it's the statement of what we find here. Si, uh, I'm gonna call him Simon Peter before it's over with. Stephen here models for us that there is no such thing as a privatized faith. As individual Christians, he models this for us, but the same is true for us. We do not have the luxury of hunkering down inside the church and say that we're honoring God with our lives. Here's where I get that. We, we first met Stephen in the verses just before verse 8. Verses 1 through 7. It's a problem inside the church. It's the first real problem that we come up against. There are a couple of other episodes that are in there, obviously, in the first uh, five chapters. But, but this is the first real problem where we find the apostles and the disciples coming together and say, we have to address this. This is a problem. And so the problem was that there was this group. We just, a couple of weeks, we spent talking about the new deacons, or the first deacons, uh, the seven, as they're referred to in this passage. And Stephen is one of those who is chosen and the reason we know him from Luke's writings here is because God called him into the church to deal with an issue inside the church. So don't miss this part. I am not saying that there's nothing on the inside that we need to work on. I'm not saying that at all. That's one part of who we are, but it's not the only part of who we are. God calls Stephen as one of the first that we call deacons, puts him to work inside the church. And according to verse 7, apparently the work that he and those other six guys did was exceptional because the church multiplied, it says. So he was working inside, but this verse helps us to see that he was also working outside. I know this seems like kind of one of those redundant points, like, really, do we need to hear this? Yeah, I think we do. I think we, the church of the 21st century, really need to hear this. The directive would be get out of here and out there where the action is. Let me, let me back off from the text itself. Give an example that I think maybe captures what we're talking about. 
When I, well, I, most of you know, I've, I've talked in various ways about the early life relationship that I had with my dad or the lack of same. And uh, ours was not a real happy uh, kind of get along thing. As a young child, there were uh, substance abuse issues that we dealt with. And then uh, by the time I got to be a teenager, I was the one with substance abuse issues and dad was the pastor and that was, didn't work real well. Uh, and so by the time I became an adult, uh, I had this strained relationship with my dad. And in the process of that, God called me to the ministry and then God had the audacity to call both of us to serve the same church at the same time. You know what that means? My dad was senior pastor. I was youth minister for a while, and then I became the executive pastor, essentially. And, and so I had to work with my dad. And by the time we got there, I, you know, I was almost 30 years old by that time, and, uh, which was only two years ago now. But um, <laughs> So I'm working with my dad knowing, both of us knowing that this has not always been, you know, all roses and unicorns, you know. And God put us together and we had to work together, which means we had to heal. And we did. But there are a number of different things that we did to try to work on that relationship to get to that point. And one of those things was, Dad and I, and sometimes some of our other staff members, every Friday morning for a number of years, with very few exceptions, every Friday morning, we would gather together and go play golf somewhere in South Texas. And so that meant uh, several things. First of all, we normally rode together in the car, and uh, then we would ride together in the cart. And so all day long, all morning long at least, we're stuck together, and it gave us a chance you know, to kind of learn to love each other and to even like each other just a little bit. So one of those days, one of those days, dad picked me up and we were on our way to the golf course. It was one of those kind of South Texas mornings where the, uh, the tropical heat was working its thing. It was during the summertime. And so it's hurricane season. And so we would get these low pressure things that would come out of the Gulf of Mexico and it would just choke you with the humility, uh, with humidity. And then if it started raining, it was a tropical rain, big drops, hot and humid, and that the rain would come in sheets and just kind of wash over you and do that for long periods of time. So on this particular day, it looked like it was going to be one of those days. And so as we're driving over there, I said, Dad, I don't know if we ought to try to play today. I'm kind of sure that we're going to end up getting rained out. And he looked at me now famously saying, you know, I kind of like to play in the rain. Great. <laughs> so sure enough, we get out there and we're playing golf and all those conditions are there and it sprinkles every once in a while. But we got to exactly the furthest point away from the clubhouse and it opened up. I mean, it was, you know, as they say in East Texas, it was a frog choker. There was so much rain. And so here we were, too far to drive all the way back. So we jumped in the cart, and about 100 yards away, there was a men's restroom out there just stuck out there. Now, don't get some, you know, huge building kind of an idea. Three of them would have fit on this stage. And by the time we drove to that, we were soaked all the way through. 
And so we're huddled up now, and there's a couple of other guys already in there. We're huddled up inside this shelter. We used it as a shelter. We're already soaking wet, and it rains, and it rains, and it rains. And I looked at my dad, and I said, oh, I like playing in the, in the rain every once in a while. And in that, for two hours, it rained like that. Here, here's the connection I want you to get. When it comes to church and our life inside the church, it's a shelter. It's stormy out there. Would you agree with that these days? It's a little stormy. Let me tell you how stormy it is. As a church, as a, as a staff, we prepared today for the possibility of protesters showing up in church today because a bunch of protesters had promised that they were going to do that. So, so we have guys out there who are ready for that if that happens. And we were ready inside if that happened. It's dangerous out there. Would you agree with that? So it kind of makes sense for us to say, you know, we just want to shelter in place. We, we just want to have inside the church this nice, peaceful, safe faith. For us golfers that day, it was really nice. <laughs> of all the places, in a men's restroom on a golf course, it was nice in there compared to what was outside. But the game was played outside, not in there. And so for us, the action in the Christian life is out there among the people, as Stephen shows us here. I'm going to tell you, in case you're a little bit concerned about it, it's so dangerous out there. Stephen's life shows us that it may well cost us our lives out there. But that's where God calls us. The Great Commission, as you are going, make disciples. So we got to get out of here. That's the first truth I want you to get today. And the second one is that we need to take some something with us. And so look with me again at this passage. And actually, I'm going to take you back to verse 3 as well. Because in verse 3, we have this insight from the apostles, the disciples, on what exactly were the qualifications of those deacons that were being chosen. And so it says there, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Back to verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power. Let's stop there for a minute and let's just kind of dig in. The word full of, there's two words there, but uh, in, it's essentially one. To be full in this case. Well, let me say it this way. If you are a coffee, if you're a coffee drinker, first of all, if you're not a coffee drinker, I don't know what you're going to drink in heaven. Okay, don't know. <laughs> But if you're a coffee drinker or a water drinker, you pick whichever you prefer. I'm going to go with coffee. And you get up in the morning, you make a pot of coffee, and you get your cup, and you set it there, and you take that pot of coffee, and you just pour into it. When do you stop pouring? Now, usually we say when it's full. But that's not this kind of full from this passage. Full for us means to a level that we can still walk with it without spilling it everywhere, okay? And that's acceptable, especially in your house where your spouse may well not want you spilling it everywhere. 
But the word here means full to overflowing. So envision this, you get that cup and you take your pot of coffee and you pour it until the coffee in the, what do you call that? The canister, whatever it's called, is gone. The carafe, thank you. You pour until it's gone out of that. What happened to the coffee beyond what you needed in your cup? The answer is it's all over the place, okay? That's this kind of full. So what he's saying, what Luke is saying as he writes this description of Stephen is that Stephen is overflowing with what? The spirit, this is verse three, spirit and grace is another one and power is another one and you see what it is that Stephen takes out of the inside work of the church to be among the people is this presence and filling of the Spirit of God. And it so pours out of him that people notice. There's your billboard Christianity. And boy, do they notice we go forward in this chapter and into the next, we'll find that they notice it so much so that they are just thoroughly upset with him and they ultimately will kill him because of his witness for Jesus Christ. But they notice him. And that's the first thing that I think we have to understand and grab from this. As we are working on the inside of us, not inside the building. As we work and allow the Holy Spirit to work on the inside of us, it then pours out. It overflows into how we live our life. Let me talk to moms and grandmoms and great-grandmothers. If you want to leave a legacy with your children, let them catch you loving Jesus. When I was a kid, teenager, had very little use for the church or the things of God. I remember, all, I, I can't remember an exception to this scenario that as I woke up and walked out of my room to get ready for school, I think I had to be at school like 10 after 8 or something, so I was waking up about 8 o'clock. And I would walk out and here's my mom sitting in her recliner with the lamp on with her Bible in her lap either studying God's word or praying. If you want to leave a legacy as a mom, as a grandmother, as a great-grandmother, as a dad, as a granddad, or as a great-granddad, or any of us, if you want to leave a legacy with your family, let those kids catch you loving Jesus. Inside So as we go out, let's make sure that we take the right things with us. God never, hear me very carefully now, God never called us to take a Bible, walk outside of the church, and assault somebody with it by hitting them upside the head. That's not how Jesus did. Now, he did that a few times, verbally, you know, hitting them with God's word, not literally, but figuratively, if you will. But that was with those people who were the religious leaders who wouldn't listen and we're leading people astray. 
as we walk out with this kind of Holy Spirit influence in our lives, we become billboards that advertise for the validity of the cause of Christ. So who is it in your life that needs to see that today? What are you showing them? Let's bow our heads as we close. Let me just talk to two different groups here. First of all, I want to say to you, if, if you're here today and you have long since made the choice to follow Jesus, you're a Christian in the way the Bible speaks to that, you've surrendered your life to him, you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you've experienced the saving grace of Jesus in your life, if that's you today, do an inventory as to what it is that you are advertising with your billboard life? Are you pointing people to Jesus? Are you building bridges to those people who desperately need Jesus Christ? And if not, today might be a great day to correct that. Just a commitment between you and the Lord right there that says, you know, I know there are some things that are not right and I need to fix that. So Lord, help me to do that. Confess before him and move forward. Maybe you're here though in this whole idea of this heart-level connection with Jesus that begins as a confrontation where you recognize he is offering to you life, but it's life that you cannot create on your own. You can't get there on your own. You'll never be good enough to earn God's favor. What do you do with that? You can't be a billboard for Christ if you haven't met Christ. And when you meet Christ... He puts you into this crisis of decision. Will you surrender your will to his so that he might give you life, a life that is better than anything you can even imagine? So if you haven't done that, this invitation is for you at that point today that you might be able to have a conversation with me. Edgardo will be down here. Any number of us today would love to talk to you about Jesus Christ and how to let him transform who you are. Whatever is your situation today, Jesus stands waiting for a decision. What do you do with Jesus? And so, Father, we pray that you take this invitation, be glorified in it, in Jesus' name, amen.